Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. The reading is taken from John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. 
for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is a spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Mary. Morning, everyone. Uh, Well, I've got good news and bad news and very good news for you. Uh, The good news is you haven't got to listen to me preaching a sermon this morning. Hooray! Uh, The bad news is you are still going to have to listen to a sermon, I'm afraid. Boo! Uh, But the really good news is that it's Stu who's going to be preaching it. Hooray! It's bound to be brilliant. Uh, And in fact, uh, I've had a sneak preview, so I know that it is. So this is less of a uh, double act, uh, more a a support act uh, before the main event. My role this morning is simply to explain a little bit about the... Uh, the new series that we're beginning uh, this morning. So following on from last week's looking back and stepping forward services, we thought it would be uh, a good chance over the next several weeks to think a little bit about what defines us as Christians, and particularly what defines us as a community of Christians uh, in, in our church here at Emmanuel. What are the key characteristics of what it means to be followers of Jesus together? And so, over the next six weeks, uh, we're going to be looking at some of those um, characteristics or attributes. So we're going to be thinking about worship, prayer, fellowship, discipleship, outreach, and service. You might call them the big six of uh, ministry life, although I should clarify there have been no allegations that they're planning to form a breakaway league of the uh, European Super Ministry League or something. Uh, Rather, they are key areas in our church life, which are really good for us to think about together. And what we're hoping to do is to think about them both theologically and also practically. So what are the deeper underlying um, issues that undergird these characteristics and attributes, but also what do they mean for us uh, here at Emmanuel in the way that we live out uh, our corporate life together? Uh, And so as part of that, we're going to be having um, various of our ministry leads, that is to say people, um, either staff or volunteers, who particularly help us to oversee certain areas uh, of our church life together. Some of them are going to be helping us to think through some of these issues. And they may do it uh, by preaching, they may do it in testimony, they might do it by helping us to think uh, about particular uh, ways that we do things here at Emmanuel. So for today, we've got Stu, who's going to be Uh, preaching to us on the subject of worship. Next week, Amanda Baxter and Alison Lawton are going to be helping us think through uh, the area of prayer. In weeks to come, we'll have Natasha Burt helping us think about the area of discipleship and so on and so forth. And so our hope in all of it is that we get some kind of grounding, but also we think practically about what it means for us here and now at Emmanuel as we uh, begin to emerge from lockdown, as we uh, enter a new normal. Uh, What are we going to look like as a church? So that is quite enough from me. Without further ado, over to Stu. Thanks, Ben. Good morning, everybody. It is wonderful, wonderful to be with you today. 
If we haven't met before, my name's Stuart, and I'm the Music and Worship Coordinator here. Uh, and I'm really, really thankful to have the opportunity to speak to you today, to you today on my favourite thing. No, it's not a hair product. <laughs> it's worship. Let me pray before we start. Lord God, I thank you so much for this glorious passage that we've just been reading. I thank you that just like this woman at the well, you welcome all of us into your presence, regardless of who we are, where we have come from, or what we're going through. Lord God, I pray that as we unpack these words, that you will be in them, that you will speak through what I'm going to say, and that you will be glorified. Amen. Amen. So, the Zakakowska family beautifully took us through this whole idea of life worship, as in living lives that are wholly honoring to God. Everything we do is worship. Everything we do and everything we are comes from God, and so by including him in it, we are giving it back to him and are in fact worshiping. I'm going I'm to take that idea and I'm going to look closer at our gathered times of worship, like what we're doing right now. What we, what we, we guys, we are here. We also have some folks o- online, whether we're in the physical space or the digital space, we are gathering together to worship the Lord. So what actually happens in these times of gathered worship? And why do we do it? Now, before we get into it, let me show you a very embarrassing photo. Who's that guy? <laughs> Look at the hair! I mean, this is before I had any idea about style. Oh, but I did, I did still know a very strong G chord. So that's, if you know anything about worship music, that's pretty much all you need. <laughs> this was me at my first Soul Survivor, which, which, is a, which, which, which was a Christian youth festival. Thousands and thousands of, of young people all piled into the Shepton Mallet uh, showground, camping for the week, and most importantly... Worshipping together. Now, I'd, I'd grown up in a church family, so I was not unfamiliar with church worship, or so I thought. But what I experienced at Soul Survival was, was somehow different. There was a band on stage, just like at my home church, although it sounded slightly different than the, the guy strumming his rainbow strap 12 string with Dolly Dinkle on the recorder. <laughs> uh, so it kind of looked the same, but the songs sounded entirely different. Not only in the fact that it sounded infinitely better than the early 90s Mission Praise stuff we were singing at my church, but these songs were not only singing about God, they were singing to God. The band were playing these simple songs with with, with passion and exuberance. All around me, people were singing as if it was the most important activity they had ever been involved in. Some had their hands in the air, others were weeping, many had their eyes closed. And in that moment, perhaps for the first time in my life, I felt close to God. It struck me immediately that they, was, they weren't singing about a God that they had read about. They were singing, singing to a God that they knew, intimately and personally. And from that moment, I knew that that's what I wanted too. So at the end of the meeting, I asked for somebody to pray, pray for me, uh, so that they would pray that I would know God as my own Father, as my own Savior, and as my own Jesus. This drastically changed the path of my life. And from then on, I knew that my priority 
in life had to be following Jesus. And this had to be in the context of worship. Little did I know that many, de- many years down the line, I could actually get paid for doing my favorite thing. Which for that, I am eternally grateful to all you guys. But it looks like that's where God was leading me, even way back then. Worship was no longer a task. It was no longer a task. It was a gift. It wasn't something that we did on a Sunday that we ha- because we had to. It was this gift of something that's so beautiful that we were Im- invited into. And in that moment, when I felt the real, tangible presence of the Holy Spirit for the first time, God was revealing something to me. Something new of himself, which I didn't know before. And in that moment, my heart naturally wanted to respond in worship. And that's what worship is all about. Revelation and response. And it's right there throughout the Bible. I've got some examples. So, when Abraham first encountered God, he was called to obedient sacrifice, an act of worship. When Moses led the people out of Egypt, God parted the Red Sea so that they could pass to the other side. And what was the first thing they did when they got to the other, the other side? Miriam led them in a song of worship. When Hannah handed over her much longed for baby son Samuel to the Lord, she lifted up her voice to worship. When David danced before the Lord with all of his might, it was an act of worship. When Elijah called down a fire from heaven on Mount Carmel, it was in the context of worship. When Job lost everything, he fell to his knees in worship. When Mary discovered that she was carrying Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, in her womb, she worshipped. When the wise men greeted the Christ child, they worshipped. When Simeon was presented with the infant Christ in the temple, he worshipped. When the disciples realized that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the Messiah, they worshipped. And when the 24 elders, the four living creatures, the multitudes of angels, and every creature in heaven and on earth see Jesus, the Lamb that was slain, standing at the center of the throne in heaven, they all lift their voices and they worship. In each of these moments, God reveals something of his glory and the people respond in worship. Revelation and response. We were all created to worship. That's a pretty bold statement. Now, but let me be clear here. God doesn't command or create us to worship because he's a needy, sycophantic, insecure divine being. He's not desperately lonely, seeking affirmation and and love to make him feel better. He is perfect in every way. The eternal triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, live in perfect unity and love. God is complete. But it's out of his abundance and goodness that he created humankind to experience and know the depths of his love. And that's what's happening when we worship our God. We're being called back to the very thing that we were created for. So so God created us as worshipful beings. We have to worship something because that's the way we're made. If we don't worship our Lord God, our frail hearts will find something else to fill the gap, whether it be money, power, success, but it will never satisfy in the same way that a real relationship with Jesus will. And that's what worship is all about. Relationship. 
In worship, we're being invited into this relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to drop a very big word on you right now. I'm going to feel very clever as I do it. Are you ready? Perichoresis. Yeah. Yeah, I may be a musician. I may only be able to count to four, and I may only know a few chords, but I do know a few big words. <laughs> Perichoresis. Perichoresis is a word the early church used to describe the Trinity. It, it's this, this theological concept that means the Trinity is constantly rotating around each other. It can be described as an eternal dance where the Father is glorifying the Son, the Son is glorifying the Spirit, the Spirit is glorifying the Father, the Son is glorifying the Father, the Father is glorifying the Spirit, and so on. It's like the Trinity is constantly loving each other, and it's into this deep, deep relationship of love that we are invited so our God is a worshipping God. He's a singing God. He is constantly singing love over us. And we respond by singing love right back to him. Physical demonstration now. I can't go through a service without grabbing a guitar at least once. Um, and I really hope this works. Because the whole theology of the next part of the sermon relies on this. Ah, ah. Can you hear that? Can you hear that? So I'm singing the same note as this string. I'm not touching it with my hands, but the string is vibrating because I'm singing its note. It's called resonant frequency. Everything has a resonant frequency. Literally everything, whether it be solid, liquid, gas, animal, vegetable, mineral. Everything will vibrate at a certain frequency. We can make the very windows of this building shake by turning up the bass. And that's pretty fun when we do that. Let me just put this back one sec. And that's the same thing that's happening when we're invited into this perichoresis. The eternal worship of the Trinity. God is singing over us and we are resonating with his singing. And so we are caused to sing back to him. It's by God's gift of the Holy Spirit that we can come into communion with God. I love that bit in the Easter story that John was preaching on a few weeks ago. That bit where the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. The very thing that was separating normal people like you and me from coming into relationship with God was all of a sudden removed, completely taken away by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so gathered worship is about relationship. It's about encounter. It's about giving glory back to the one who first sang glory and love over us. It's a knee-jerk reaction in response to what God has already done for us. We worship because we can't help it. Now, let me clarify that. There may be times when we don't necessarily feel like worshipping. Stuff may be going on in our lives which make the idea of being joyful and praising God really, really hard. And that's understandable. But worship isn't just about being joyful and happy-clappy. We, we do it a disservice if we think it is just that. Worship is also lament. 
crying out to our God in our, in our, in our pain. So in these times of hardship and sadness, these are the exact times when we should be turning to worship. Just simply opening ourselves up to what God has for us and proclaiming that he is holy. Because it's in that place that God only has goodness for us. I'm not going to go too deeply into this whole uh, lament idea because that's a, that's a whole other talk. But suffice to say, worship in all times and in all places. So, we worship to come into relationship with God. So why do we sing together? Church is one of the last remaining places where it's socially okay to sing together. But let's be honest, it's still a bit weird, right? <laughs> so why do we do it? Well, firstly, we're called to do it. Ephesians 5, verses 18 to 20 says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, to the Father, for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boom. It's right there. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. We're called to do it. Secondly, we sing together because it's something we can truly do together. We're all singing the same notes, vaguely, at the same time, vaguely, with the same words. Most other forms of collective worship don't have that real at-one synergy that singing together does. And thirdly, there's something special. Something transcendental, God-given about music. I don't think anybody can say, I don't like music. To me, that's like saying, I don't like breathing. We all have our own favorite styles and likes and dislikes, but we all have some sort of connection to music. It's emotional and very personal. And, it's, it, there, and there are certain... You know, there are certain pieces of music that, I, that just make me bore my eyes out every time I listen to it. I, I just can't help it. it it's, it's emotional. Music touches us deeply in our hearts like nothing else can. And God is in the music. Music and songs are a precious gift from God. And we use them as a language to give our glory right back to him. They provide some sort of, of way of expressing what we want to say to God. Sometimes mere words aren't enough. Songs burst out of us when spoken language isn't enough to express our worship and thankfulness to God. So you see, it's not about the songs themselves. The songs aren't the thing. Jesus is the thing. The songs are a place we go to meet with God. The music provides a meeting ground where we can cultivate our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. Songs are a place we go. And it's in this worship space where, with God, we can deal with all the mess and fragility of humanity while being caught up in the perfection and love of divinity. It's about an encounter. Not rules, religion, or regulations. We miss the point when we reduce worship to programs and practicalities, rather than focusing on the person and the presence of Jesus. It's about an encounter. You realize that, right? 
You realize that when we worship, we can actually encounter the Holy Spirit. A real, tangible encounter with the Holy Spirit is available to all of us. We just have to be open and expectant to that reality. If we're too busy worrying about how I look or how I sound when I sing or, or the band is too loud and I don't like this modern stuff or the organ is old and boring and I don't like this old stuff, then we're missing the point of it. We're missing the reason for it. Worship is not about you. It's not for you. It's about and it's for God. And when we surrender ourselves to that truth, then and only then will we allow room for a personal encounter with God. Now, if you've never experienced a real encounter with the Holy Spirit and you'd like to, or you have and you'd like to push deeper into that, then I would love to pray for you. It's a simple prayer. We just pray, come Holy Spirit, and then we wait. We wait for the Holy Spirit to take control and do business with us. So if you'd like that, maybe we can, we can meet up after the service and we, I'd love to pray for you. Now, now, when we're in that place, when we're in that relationship with God, together as a church and with God, worship has power. Worship has power. Our gathered expressions of worship overflowing out of a lifestyle of worship are powerful. More powerful than perhaps we give them credit. 2 Corinthians, verse three, uh, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is present when we worship together, right? We're agreed on that. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom not only for us, but for the whole of creation. Now, I said before that worship is not about us. Well, it's not, but, <laughs> but we do have something to do with it. Just like any healthy relationship, we are partnering with God in that moment. Our worship is literally heralding in the coming kingdom of God. We are part of that work. And if we don't do it, surely the rocks will cry out. When we worship, heaven and earth are literally coming closer to each other. The space between the two is becoming thin. If we listen carefully, we can hear the eternal worship going on in heaven. The angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it's into that song that we are invited. And in that invitation, we feel the tangible presence of God. You know, God has so much for us in our times of worship. We need to come into worship expectant for God to move with us. We need to lean into the revelations that God has for us and respond to them. And this is where we come to the crux of it. Worship has got to mean something. Worship has got to mean something. If we're coming out of our gathered times of worship, sorry, if we're not coming out of our gathered times of worship profoundly changed by the Holy Spirit, then we need to check ourselves. It's been so long, so long since we've been able to sing together. 
I mean, it's been great. We've, been, we've managed to keep going. We've managed to stay together. We've even managed to worship together. But you've got to agree with me that without the singing together, we're missing something. We're missing something really, really important. Are we aware of what power our worship holds? Is it actually making a difference to our lives that we can't do it to its full potential? And are we going to do it differently when the time comes when we can sing together again? We can't go back to just coming to church on a Sunday, singing a few songs together, feeling rather good about ourselves, and then going for lunch. Worship has got to change us. It has to affect everything we do. And it's then and only then that we will see God's kingdom make a difference in our lives, in our work, in our schools and colleges, in Croydon. We have to allow God's kingdom fully into our own hearts before we can expect it to influence anything else. And this is where I can come onto our reading today. Many of you may have thought, he's not even mentioned the woman in the well story yet. Well, I'm getting to it. But I want to zoom in on that bit where Jesus says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And let's unpack that. We are called to worship God in spirit and in truth. Now may I suggest that the truth bit is the revelation and the spirit bit is the response. Now, I say this next bit out of a deep, deep, deep love and respect for the entirety of our church family. It strikes me that as a church... We are very good at the truth part of it. We are very good at the, relation, uh, at the revelation part of it. We know in our heads who Jesus is and what he has done and what he is still doing for us. But it's the spirit part. It's the response part, which I think that we as a church need to. And I also believe that we are being called to grow into it's the moment when head knowledge drops to heart knowledge. Intellectual theory becomes life experience. Stories of old become present today. I feel that God is calling us to respond. To respond to this amazing revelation of God in the form of our true and proper worship. A worship that has no holds barred. If we're responding to this amazing revelation, then our response cannot be metered. It cannot be subdued. It has to be full out. And, and you may be thinking, oh yeah, he doesn't mean the whole hands raising thing and the shouting out to the Lord thing. Well, do you know what? Do you know what? Maybe I do. Maybe I do mean that. And not just because of the hand-raising and not just because of the singing out. That's not the cause, that's the effect. If we're truly open to the glory of God, then we will find ourselves face down in worship. And this physical expression of worship isn't an embarrassing thing. You must never feel embarrassed by it. 
You can't come to me and say, oh, I just feel squeamish about this stuff. And, and what will people think if I worship like that? And, and to that I say with love, I don't care. God doesn't care. Nobody cares. Can we all just agree around here that we don't care? Can we all just agree that it's, we're not going to judge each other on the styles of our worship? Nobody's judging anyone. Is that okay? Is that cool? Can we all just agree on that? What we're after is a real, heartfelt expression of worship. We are limited, limited by these bodies and our voices, and we are limited by 12 notes in a scale. Even the best that we can bring can never truly express what God deserves. We worship because he is worthy. We're called to give God the worship he deserves, not the worship we feel comfortable with. Do you think Moses felt comfortable when he was at the burning bush? It's a bush and it's on fire. That's not comfortable. I love that bit in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe where Mrs. Beaver says, If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then isn't he safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And there's a difference. There's a difference between feeling comfortable and feeling safe. I believe that we are all being called out of our comfort zones, out of our likes and dislikes, and into a place of true and proper worship. Into a time when we are a people on fire for Jesus. When our gathered times are so full of the sweet presence of God that, we are, that they cause us to go out and live lives of worship that honor God. And, and out of those God-honoring lives, we are caused to come back together and worship some more. It's a cyclical thing. One has to inform the other. Without one, the other doesn't work. And what we experience in worship isn't isn't just for us. It isn't just for us. It needs to be shared. But you can't share what you're not cooking. So we have to get in the kitchen. So maybe as we round it off here, maybe Andy and the band, you guys can come back up and, um, and start playing. And we're going to use... We're going to use these songs as, as a place to go and meet with God. A place where we can just come just as we are, but expectant that we won't leave as we were. Let's enter into this time and just be with God. Cultivate that relationship that he is calling us so gracefully into. Yes, Lord Jesus. Let's just pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for your holy presence that is right here, right now with all of us. I thank you for that gift of a relationship that is open to all. God, you have done so much for us, so but you have so much more of yourself. 
so much more of yourself in store for us, so much more of your goodness, so much more of your kingdom. Well, God, I pray that we will be open to the more. Let us be expectant for the more. Let us lean in to the more that you have for us. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill this place. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.